0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. As we continue to walk through the Gospel of Luke, just like last week, we are seeing Jesus begin to prepare his disciples for the end. He he's not going to be around for, an, for after six more months. He's gone, and he knows that, and he needs his disciples to. Be ready. Now, he will speak these words in the Gospel of Luke at this point, and he will also then reiterate them in the last week of his life. So, if you were with us last Sunday, what you heard was a very profound truth. Jesus says, Hey, When I'm gone, you need to be ready then for my return. It could come at any moment. And it's not just my return. You need to be ready for the end of your life, for for that time when you breathe your last breath, when you meet your creator, you need to be ready. And the only thing that is necessary to be ready, as we read this beautiful parable last week, is you need to have faith. You need to have an internal faith In your creator and sustainer, Jesus Christ, you need to have that faith, and that faith is what will usher you in to heaven, into the wedding banquet that you want to be a part of. You do not want to be one of those who has the door shut on them, and then the person says, hey, I I didn't know you. God says, "I, I didn't know you. You're not welcome here. We were never in a relationship with one another. You did not have the faith necessary to come to this wedding party. We saw that last week. That's heavy, and I know it was heavy. And then I think what Jesus says next is so logical. He goes, hey, here's what you need to do while you wait for that. While you wait for my return, while you wait for your last breath, here's how you live a ready life. Here's what that looks like. And I'll go ahead and throw it out there, okay? It's a couple things. Here's what Jesus is going to teach us today. He's going to say, while you wait, while you live a ready life, for whatever that moment is, his return or your final breath, while you wait, I need you to be faithful to me and obedient to me. Similar words, Same kind of idea, but I need you to remain faithful and then be obedient to what I call you to. But then there's a third piece that we will see today. Don't get lazy. Oftentimes, people go, well, I've got the faith. I prayed the prayer. I was baptized. I'm good. I'm just going to kind of do life now because I've I've checked all the boxes, and Jesus is going to warn us so succinctly today against doing that. Don't get lazy thinking that you have done everything you have to do. He did the work. He did the work for your salvation, not you. And so he asks in response to his grace and his love for you to be faithful, obedient, and taking advantage of the opportunities given to you. Don't be lazy Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 12, verse 41. So this is after Jesus had just told his disciples, hey, you need to be ready. You need to be ready because some of you aren't going to make it in. Peter says this. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And I know that language is a little bit backwards because you could read that at the service level and just go, is that just for us 12 or are you wanting everyone to hear this? But I read it in a different way. I read it as Peter saying, you didn't didn't mean us, right? You're not not saying this to us because of course we're in. Of course we're ready. We're we're with you to the end. You you must mean everyone else, but you you can't mean us. Lord, Lord, we're good, right? We're good. I mean, we're ready, right? Right? We're, We're ready. This isn't about us, right? This can't be about us. And Jesus will say, and I love this, he will say in such certain words, well, my friends, my disciples, Peter, it might be about you. It might be about you, it might not. It all comes down to how responsible you will be while you wait. Will you stay engaged? Will you stay faithful and obedient? Or will you become lazy? It could be about you. But it's absolutely for everyone. But it could be about you too. Let's, let's read the rest of the passage in Luke. Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 48. Here, here's what it says. The Lord answered Peter, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food and allowance at the proper time? When the master leaves, who does he leave in charge? Jesus knows he's going, he's going to leave the church and all of its responsibilities to Peter and the disciples. So who does the master put in charge when he leaves to take care of the rest of the people? Verse 43, it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. The, The servant who's been placed in charge that doesn't become lazy, that stays obedient. Verse 44, truly I tell you, He will put him in charge of all of his possessions. He'll say, come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 45, but suppose that servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming. And he he then begins to beat the other servants, both the men and the women, and to eat and drink and to get drunk. He just begins to live a totally carnal life. What, What happens to that person? Verse 46, the master, that servant. Will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with unbelievers. Incredibly harsh language there. But simply, what Jesus is saying in a parable form is there will be punishment for that person, the one who does not remain faithful and obedient, the one who chooses to live their own life for their own pleasures and their own wills. Verse 47. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deser- I'm sorry, but the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with fewer blows. So those who are in the know will be judged more harshly than those who didn't know. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. That is an incredibly difficult passage to hear, to understand, to try to implement in our life. But the reality is, Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples right now and saying, I am going to leave everything in your charge. I am going to give you instructions on how to best continue my mission and to continue to further my kingdom. And I'm going to need you to diligently, day after day, to pursue my will for my kingdom, even in my absence. And I will come back. I will come back as the master at one point, and I hope to find you being faithful and obedient, not being obnoxious and self-centered and violent and sinful. I want to find you worthy of even more. And then at that point, I will give you the kingdom. I'll give you everything. And I'll tell you to come and share in my happiness. Come and share in my wonder and joy. And the passage we read last week out of Matthew chapter 25, we read the first few verses, just like in our Luke passage. The next verses in Matthew 25, I believe, encompass this Luke 12, 42-48 a little bit better. Okay, I said this last week, and we're not always going to go Luke and then straight to Matthew. That's not how that works. But for this week, I think it's a little bit better. I want to read a huge chunk out of Matthew 25. I want to read verses 14 through 30, and I'm going to point out how this aligns very well with what Jesus just said in Luke chapter 12. But be reminded, this Matthew passage was spoken in the last week of Jesus' life. So he is trying in his last moments to make sure his disciples are ready. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Here we go. He says again, he's already spoken parable about the end times, but he says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So the master is leaving for a period of time unknown. He calls those who are left behind to a meeting and says, I'm giving you everything. Verse 15. To one, he gave five talents of money. That's just a sum of money, a large sum of money. But to one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Notice how the talents were divided up. It's based on ability, based on God-given talent Then he went on his journey. He left, verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. They both doubled their initial earnings. They doubled them. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, we have no idea how long it is. This is talking about how long Jesus will tarry in heaven. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained you five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with the few things I've given you. I will put you in charge of many more things. Okay, that's what you get. We see that in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Those who are faithful, much more will be asked. Okay, so we see the parallel there. He says, come and share in your master's happiness Verse 22, the man with two talents also came, Master. He said, You entrust me with two talents. See, I've gained you two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Notice that one had ten and one had four, and yet the reward was the same. The reward was the same. Verse 24, the man who had received the one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. And I waited, and I guarded it. See, here it is. Here's what belongs to you. I've still got it. I protected it. I sat on it. I nurtured it. Here it is. His master replied, verse 26, you wicked, lazy servant. Underline that. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For those who are faithful with much, much more will be given. Verse 29, for everyone who has been given more, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth the cutting to pieces in luke chapter 12 verse 46 is now changed to weeping and gnashing of teeth but the image is still the same what we do while we wait matters You can be ready, but the master, Jesus, he asks that each of us use the God-given abilities that we have to further his kingdom while he's gone. He seeds that with these talents, whatever these talents are. He seeds it with those, but then he expects a return. And so first we need to figure out from Matthew 25 what a talent is. Whatever they are, they belong to God because he's the master and he gives them out. They're given according to our ability and they're to be used to further the kingdom of God. We also know that the master's pleasure does not depend on the amount of talent that you have, just whether or not you're obedient with the talents that you do have. And finally, if you're obedient with the talent you're given, you get more, you get more of whatever these talents are. If you use it poorly, if you bury it, you lose it. It's taken from you. I think in light of all that, a talent in this parable is a kingdom opportunity. I think the master leaves and gives to this one person five kingdom opportunities, and to this other person two kingdom opportunities, and to this third person one kingdom opportunity, and then he comes back to settle that account. You you had these opportunities. What did you do with them? I I don't care if I gave you one, two, or five. That the number doesn't matter. I want to know whether or not you were faithful and obedient with the opportunities I gave you. This is how you live the ready life. You know and understand the opportunities that have been given to you based on your own abilities. Don't get bogged down if you don't have as many opportunities as the next person. That's not what this is about. You might be going... Well, Todd, you're a pastor. You have far more opportunities than I do to do kingdom work. That's not even close to true. It's not based on your profession. It's based on your abilities. It's based on what God gifted you to do that I could never do. You may have far more opportunities because you're far more gifted than I am. And I have to be okay with that. Because God has seen it in his infinite wisdom to give you those abilities so that he might then hand you those opportunities. And here's what I love about God. He goes, now, what will you do with them? Will you be faithful and obedient? Or will you be lazy? Paul, who authored a lot of the New Testament He got thrown in prison a couple times. He probably didn't look at that as the most wonderful life that could be lived. But he saw in prison opportunities to convert the guards, to write most of the New Testament. He had the ability to do that. And regardless of his circumstance, he chose to be faithful and obedient. And right now, church, you all have opportunities. You have a context that you live in, whether that's family, friends, work, school, neighbors. There's a context of community around you. And I promise you, within that context of community, there are opportunities. God has placed you where you are right now for a purpose. Will you be faithful and obedient to the opportunities that your community context provides? You have a voice. We all have a voice. And The coolest thing about the time that we live in right now is your voice doesn't have to literally just be your spoken word. The opportunity to use multiple platforms to get your voice out to literally millions of people, that has not existed really up until this point. But you have a voice. You can choose to use that voice to build up, to encourage, to proclaim the gospel, or you can choose to use that voice to argue pettiness to tear down, to destroy. You have the opportunity, but when the master returns to settle accounts, he'll go, How did you use your voice? And to some of you, will go, oh, I just, I know you gave me kingdom opportunities, but you know, I, I just kind of buried those. I set, I set those aside, and, and I chose to use my voice for things that mattered to me a little bit more. A really get, a great way of understanding maybe the opportunities that you've been given is to think about the person that you are sitting next to. If you're alone right now, think of the person you last were with. What do you do better than that person? That's not prideful, but you can do something better than than that person. What, What do you do better than most people? Do you currently have an opportunity to use that ability? That one thing that you do better than someone else, than most other people, Do you have an an opportunity not to make money off that, but to advance the kingdom with that? If you're going, well, you know, I'm I'm good in the kitchen. How am I gonna do that? How am I gonna use that to advance the kingdom? There's a lot of people out in the world that need to be fed. I'm I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm good with kids. There's a lot of other kids out there that need to be helped. You don't have to sit on a stage and preach to be doing great things for the kingdom of God. You, you simply have to be using your God given talent and ability to further His kingdom. Are you currently doing what you know God has called you to do? You may be ready to be obedient. Or you may have grown lazy, thinking, I'm good with God. I'll just ride this one out until I die or until he comes. I'll just continue to bury my opportunities. Like I don't, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to fail. I'll, I'll just, you know, when, when he comes back, I'll be like, I, I know I could have done this cool ministry thing. I know I could have, but, you know, I, I did my best. I, I tried. I, you know, I, I really did. I, I, I was totally with you, God. I, th- these opportunities, though, they just didn't really fit my schedule. They didn't fit my comfort. So, so here it is. I, I'll hand you that opportunity back. And I, I want you to make sure you see how the kingdom of God works. When God knows that you're not going to use that opportunity, he'll take that opportunity from you and he'll give it to the person that he knows will use it. That, that's what he's going to do. Because those who are proven faithful... And obedient will be, ge- be given more opportunities, more opportunities to glorify God, more opportunities to further his kingdom. That Those will be given to them. And, and you, you will be left with no opportunity and all of that horrible punishment language. Now, Todd, are you saying that my salvation depends on, depends on my works, on what I do in this life. Are you saying that's how this plays out? No. No, I I don't think so. But here's what I do know. James says that faith without deeds is dead. And to claim that you have faith and not be able to support it with faithful obedience makes me think that maybe your faith has not transformed you. And that is not saving faith. So it has nothing to do with whether or not you've worked hard enough to earn heaven because you can't work hard enough to earn heaven. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with whether or not your faith has transformed you into a faithful and obedient servant. Or if your lack of faith has caused you to look at this life as your own smorgasbord, where you fill your stomach and your desires with whatever you can, and that is not transformed, life giving, salvation filled. If you're wondering what your opportunities might be, you're like, well, that scares me. What what, what do I do? Well, it's quite possible that your opportunities exist right here within the church. You can serve. You can serve locally, globally. You can serve in a ministry, kids, youth, worship. We have all those. What do you do better than the person next to you? Can you build? Okay, I can't. So we have opportunities for you to go overseas and build. Can you sing? Go sing. Can you Teach. Teach. And, and here's, my, here's my thing. A lot of people who feel like they can teach, and maybe you can teach way better than I can, but you go, unless, I mean, I don't have an opportunity to teach from this platform. You know where you can teach? Third graders. You can go teach our third graders. And, and, and I'm not saying that to be rude. That's where I had to start. I didn't get here first. I started teaching in the elementary classroom. And if you can convince a third grader to listen to you, It is way easier to do this. There's opportunities for you right here. You can give. You work so you can meet the needs of others. You don't work so that you can build a bigger kingdom. You work hard every day so that you can take that income and meet the needs of others. When we show ourselves faithful with the little things, God gives us more opportunities. There's many of you listening today that want to change the world. Start with what you can do today and show God that you aren't just sitting around waiting, that you're faithful and obedient with what you have today. I want Summit to be a congregation that runs so hard after your individual opportunities that as a whole, we transform our communities. We can't just sit on the sidelines, church, and be fed day after day after day. We need to do something with that feeding. We need to put it into action. And whether you're a one-talent person or a five-talent person, just be faithful with the opportunities you have and the Lord will give you more. But you have to choose today. You have to choose today, will you advance God's kingdom? He's gonna make sure that happens with or without you, okay? Those opportunities that he's given to you, if you don't use them, he'll give them to someone else. So his kingdom's gonna advance. You get to choose whether you wanna be a part of that or not. You decide the role you're going to play in the kingdom. Are you the lazy servant or are you the faithful and obedient one? And please, please be the faithful and obedient one. The way you respond today, let let us know what you've been called to do. There's a good chance that you can share with us your gifts and abilities and we can connect you right here to Summit Church in a way to use that gift and ability. Or if we can't connect you right here, we can connect you with a local partner or organization where your gift and ability will be used to fulfill your God-given opportunities, to no longer just sit and bury them going, I don't see a way, I don't know if I want to. You can go to summitonline.tv forward slash prayer and we would love to pray with you about anything, but I would also love to know what you feel like God is calling you to do. And I feel like that's kind of part of my role is to help connect people to their God-given gifts and talents, provide ways for them to serve, to be obedient. When Jesus says, are you ready? He first wants to know, are you ready in your heart? Are you full of faith? Do you trust and obey him? And then he says, now I want you to learn how to live ready, faithful and obedient with the opportunities that you've been given today by him, to advance his kingdom. And I pray that we as a church will be people who are ready, who are faithful and obedient. Father, help those of us who have grown lazy, who have become weary, who are unsure of our gifts and talents. Lord, help us as a church, as your church, to know what it is you've called us to, to allow us to step into your grace, your forgiveness to put our faith and our trust in you by your Holy Spirit and then, Lord, to respond. To respond to the need, to respond to the call. We love you. We thank you for all that you've done. May we honor you with our lives in response to all that you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen.